Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Katie Egan, who's a fifth-year resident at the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City, Kansas. She's originally from Hazel Green, Wisconsin. She completed college and medical school at the University of Wisconsin, and her academic interests include microsurgery, lymphedema, complex reconstruction, and transgender care. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Well, I'd love to start by hearing kind of a broad overview of the structure of your program at KU. So we have two residents per year and a total of six years in our program. We don't have any optional research years or extra years built in, so 12 residents total. Could you go into how much plastics experience you get in the first three years? I think we get a lot of plastics experience in our first three years. Our first couple of months in the hospital, each intern has the opportunity to spend one month on service in what we call Plastic Surgery Skills Month, which is a really unique opportunity where interns learn about common things that we see on call or common cases and have opportunities to go in and help close cases and get experience with sewing which is really unique. And then interns additionally spend three months where they're on service and part of one of the teams that we have as well. After the first year, the second and third year each have six months that are spent on our plastic surgery service and then six months off service. And our fourth and fifth year each have six months at our main hospital and then three months at our children's hospital and three months at our VA. And what's the experience like when you're on some of those non-plastics months? We have our rotations really tailored to what is beneficial to us. So we have a lot of input into changes that go into the rotation structures every year to make sure that rotations are really benefiting us and that we have good experiences on them. So all of our off-service rotations are great. We have really great working relationships with our other surgical subspecialties like ortho and ENT and neurosurgery that we rotate with, as well as general surgery. And we all find that we learn a lot from those rotations and then maintain those relationships when we get back on plastics, which is really important too. I think you mentioned you spend time at your main university center, a VA and a children's hospital. Are there any other sites you visit? Those are the only three sites that we go to. We do have an outpatient or short stay surgery center that's more set up in a private practice feel. And we do a lot of our cosmetic cases there, but it's part of our main university still. Our children's hospital is a freestanding children's hospital. It's really big and really busy. And then our VA is separate as well. Where are they like in relation to each other? They're all pretty close. It's really interesting because our hospital is right on the border of Kansas and Missouri because Kansas City splits the two states. So our University of Kansas hospital is right on the border. You can literally walk out one entrance and you're in Missouri and another entrance and you're in Kansas. And our children's hospital and the VA are both located on the Missouri side in Kansas City, but both within about a 10-minute drive of our main hospital. And so are there any independent residents or fellows? We do not have any independent residents. We do have a microsurgery fellow, which is the only fellow that's associated with our program. And we have a great relationship with our microsurgery fellow. We have one microsurgery fellow per year, and we're a super busy microsurgery program. 
So there's always more than enough work to go around for microsurgery volume. And can you tell me a bit about call? So residents typically take about one night per week of call and then one weekend per month during the six months where they're on our main service. We take hand call every other week and then face call every other night. So some nights you're not on call for either of those, and then some nights you're on call for both, and those are a little bit busier nights. But we share hand call with orthopedic surgery and face call with ENT at our hospital. Is call home call? It is home call. As a second year and a third year resident, you have backup call from a senior resident. What is the mid-level support like? We have five mid-levels that are part of our team. They all function both in the OR and clinic and then helping with seeing patients on the floor and taking consults as well. So they're all integrated into the team and have certain staff that they follow, whereas the residents work with all of the staff. And are there any opportunities for elective rotations, either like focused months you can choose within your institution or opportunities to actually visit somewhere else? We have three months of elective time during our chief year that everyone gets, and that can be tailored to whatever you're interested in. We have a private practice group in town that's an integral part of our program and very involved in our program. And a lot of people choose to go get more private practice uh, cosmetic experience working with that group during their three-month block. But we also have opportunities to go work with the pediatric hand group at our children's hospital. I'm planning on doing a microsurgery fellowship, and I'm planning on going likely to summer in Asia for my elective time, barring COVID interfering with that but planning on going somewhere international for my three months to get some exposure to some complex reconstruction. And it really can be tailored to anything that people are interested in. So you mentioned the cosmetic experience. Can you tell me a bit more about when and where you get your cosmetic experience across the years of training? We have three of our surgeons that do, I think, quite a bit of cosmetics for an academic institution at our main University of Kansas program. So you start getting exposure to cosmetic surgery, working with those three from your intern year on, and everyone gets exposure to cosmetics. So I think we get a fair bit of cosmetic exposure through that and then have the opportunity to do the dedicated cosmetic rotation as well, if you choose to during your chief year. So there aren't necessarily like specific months in the later years where you'll go spend like a month with those private practice groups, but you can take that during your three months if you'd like a more focused time. Is that correct? That's correct. That's the only dedicated cosmetic time is, is that three-month block if you choose that. And is there like a chief resident cosmetic clinic? We do have a chief resident cosmetic clinic that is very busy. Is that something you just participate in as a six or something you like also work on in the other senior years? The sixth year is the operative experience for chief clinic where you can do breast augmentations, facelifts, blepharoplasties, body cases, anything that you'd like to that comes through the door for that. And then the other years get exposure to doing fillers and Botox in resident cosmetic clinics. How often do those clinics meet both in the earlier years and when you're a chief? In the earlier years, usually quarterly. The chief clinic is once a week 
and operative cases are as many or as few as the chiefs decide to book. And can the chiefs participate in the chief clinic throughout all 12 months of their chief year? Yeah, it actually starts towards the end of the fifth year and so that you can start booking cases for your sixth year. They can book cases all the way up to the end. And you also mentioned, you know, looking into international opportunities. So it sounds like you can use some of those elective months potentially to go abroad. Is there also any opportunity for like shorter term global health experiences? We have a permanent site set up in Guatemala that we have a relationship with that our chiefs have the opportunity to go to every year. So we do two trips a year, one in the spring and one in the fall, and one of the chiefs goes on each trip. Is there any experience with gender affirmation surgery? Yes, we have a lot of experience with gender affirmation surgery. We have a transgender clinic here at the University of Kansas, which is really busy. And we do a ton of top surgery, a lot of vaginoplasties, and we're getting ramped up with doing phalloplasties as well. And is moonlighting possible at your program? We do have an opportunity to moonlight. After you've completed your second year burn ICU rotation, you have an opportunity to take burn call for extra pay in the later years. So if there's a weekend that there's not a resident on call for burn, that opportunity is opened up to other residents to take call extra for the burn unit and get paid for them. And how would you say your program manages resident autonomy as you advance through the years? I think we do a good job with resident autonomy. I think our program is pretty unique in that we have residents in the OR pretty much from the first day you're on service. So you're you're really an integral part of the team because we're so operatively busy from the first day of your intern year. And our staff are really awesome about giving residents graduated autonomy as they matriculate through the program. So we have opportunities you know, to work really closely with our staff when we're a first, second, and third year. And then as you become a senior resident, you get the opportunity to walk junior residents through cases and do some teaching, which is really awesome too. What's the research experience like, both in terms of expectations and support for research? All residents are expected to have one academic project per year that they are expected to be able to present and to write up, and that can be a research project or a quality improvement project. Research is very encouraged, and our staff are very active in supporting our research efforts. So I think that's really awesome. One of the really awesome perks of our program as well is that any accepted podium presentation that we have for any meeting is fully funded by the department. So you get to go to the entire meeting and have that experience and then have funding for your travel and your lodging as well while you're there. So that's a big perk and a big incentive to be productive with research. Is there any limitation on that as far as you know? There aren't any limitations. I've tested that theory by (laughs) presenting a lot of research. And I think it's been really good for our program, encouraging people to be active in research. So as of now, no limitations on that. Is there any kind of internal support more so for things like stats or help with grant preparation, stuff like that? Yeah, we have a statistician that's dedicated to our department who 
is awesome and works really closely with all of the residents. We have two research nurses who can help with seeing patients in clinic and following up on like national studies that we're involved in. So we're involved in a couple of national nerve studies, one looking at breast neurotization and then one looking at peripheral nerve allografts. So we have nurses that help with the data collection for that in clinic. Are there any other perks about your program that you'd like to share? All incoming residents get loops. And I think one of the really big benefits is that we get loops right away. So some programs you have to wait until second year or third year to get your loops. And we get loops as an intern, which is important because our interns are doing cases. So they need them right away. We also get $100 a month for food money that can be used both at our cafeteria and at our coffee shops, which is awesome. And then residents have the opportunity as a third year to go to a craniofacial course and fourth year to go to a hand course. And then additionally, chief residents get to go to a conference or a symposium of their choice that they don't necessarily have to be presenting at just so they get to go to enjoy and learn. And what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in? I really think we have a really well-balanced program that we get a lot of exposure to a lot of things. We definitely have a lot of exposure to microsurgery, though, and get really early exposure to microsurgery. So I think that residents come out being comfortable going into practice right away and doing complex reconstructions and microsurgery, as well as doing cosmetic cases and basic hand cases. About 60% of the residents in our program choose to do fellowships afterwards, and most people do fellowships either because they want to go into academics or get a little bit more focused on something, like cosmetic surgery or hand surgery, but most people feel that they have exposure to those areas even before doing a fellowship. And how would you improve your program? We're really, really operatively busy. We have a great balance in our lifestyle, but we definitely have the volume to support more residents. So we're actually approved for a third resident position through the ACGME, and I anticipate that we'll expand at some time in the near future, and that will be a good thing for our program. So now I'd love to hear a bit more about your program leadership, so your chief and your PD. So we're a department, and our chair of our department is Dr. Richard Corntager, who does a little bit of everything in plastic surgery. He does quite a bit of cosmetic surgery and then some breast reconstruction. He takes burn calls, so he does some burn and complex wounds. And he is an operative extraordinaire and an incredible leader as well. Our program director is Dr. James Butterworth. He is trained as a microsurgeon and does mostly breast reconstruction and lymphedema surgery. He's an amazing surgeon and is incredibly dedicated to our program and our residents and really believes that our residents should have a say in how the program develops and fiercely advocates for us, which is amazing. We have two assistant program directors as well. Dr. Meredith Collins is also a microsurgeon and does primarily breast microsurgery and some cosmetic breast surgery. And Dr. David McGee is a hand surgeon, 
who does a lot of peripheral nerve surgery. And they're both awesome teachers and awesome advocates for residents as well. So we have amazing leadership. What brought me to want to go to KU for residency is the incredible leadership that we have here and the incredible atmosphere that they've created for training and for learning here. Did you rotate at the program or was that just the impression that you got from your interview day? I did not rotate at the program, but I really felt as soon as I interviewed here that this was where I wanted to go for residency. You can get a good sense of that through the interview on where is a good fit for you. Can you tell me about a time when you or another resident brought up an issue to the leadership and how it was resolved? I've hinted on this in the past in some of my answers, but we have a really strong voice in developing our program. So there have been rotations in the past that as a junior resident, we've felt that we didn't get a lot out of. So for example, we used to do night float and general surgery, and that experience became less and less valuable. So we made a decision as a program to eliminate that rotation. And our program leadership is really open to suggestions like that and how we can go forward with improving the program. So I think you mentioned that you are planning on going into microsurgery or doing a microsurgery fellowship. How did the program either you know, help you develop that interest or support you in pursuing a fellowship? I've had a ton of support from my faculty. Our program is very well connected because our faculty have such diverse backgrounds. So we've had faculty that have trained at places all over the country and done fellowships at places all over the country. Not everyone trained at the same place. So everyone is willing to make phone calls to the people that they know, which is really awesome when it comes to looking for jobs or looking for fellowship positions. Do you foresee any upcoming changes in faculty in the next few years? We have another microsurgeon who is starting in October this year. Dr. Becky Farmer is doing a fellowship in Melbourne right now, and she will join our faculty at the end of the year. So we are incredibly excited to be welcoming her. How would you say your program helps promote diversity and inclusion or helps you develop into a culturally competent resident? I think this is something that we, as everyone, are always working on improving. So just working on always having open lines of communication and just being willing to discuss different things that are brought up and making sure that everyone is being conscientious of the environment and their coworkers. So we're all always working to be better people. And now can you describe the general like relationships or culture amongst the residents? I would say that our culture is that we're a work hard, play hard program. So we operate a ton and work really hard when we're in the hospital, but we all enjoy our lives outside the hospital as well. That often involves being together outside the hospital because we're all friends outside of work. But we try to keep reasonable hours for everyone and make sure everybody has time to see their families and pursue passions outside of the hospital as well. So we have a really good balance in our program. And what are some qualities of a resident who would fit well in your program? I think someone who has that mentality, who likes to work really hard when they're at work, 
but then enjoy their time outside of work as well as someone who fits well in our program. So now I'd like to hear a bit about the logistics of living as a resident. So do most tend to own or rent? We have about 50% of our residents that own and 50% that rent. Cost of living is pretty reasonable in Kansas, especially for what we make as residents here. So it's very affordable to buy a house here. The housing market is a little bit tighter now than it was when I started. So it's a little bit harder to buy a house currently. But one of our incoming interns just bought a house last week. So it's a good city to do either. And where do residents live in relation to the main site? With our program being on the border of Kansas and Missouri, it's kind of a unique situation. So downtown Kansas City is mostly on the Missouri side, and about half of the residents live on the Missouri side in condos or apartments in the downtown area. And then about half of the residents live in the suburbs, which are mostly on the Kansas side in houses that they own or rent. And what's the spread of residents in terms of being single, married, having kids, etc.? We have two residents of the 12 that have kids. About half of the residents are married or engaged or in long-term relationships, and then half are single or in less long-term relationships. And how do you feel like your program supports residents that are either have a family or are starting families? I think our program does a good job. There have been several residents since I've been a resident here that have had children while in residency, and I think we've done a good job of supporting each other through that. We're very much a family, so I think everybody kind of comes together when someone has something exciting happening in their lives. And is it necessary to have a car? Yes, it is necessary to have a car here. You mentioned a bit about the affordability, but in general, what have you found that you like about living in Kansas City? I think Kansas City is the perfect size city to train in. It's big enough that we have a really good patient population, as well as draws from a really large area to get a really diverse patient population. And the city is big enough to have an awesome food scene, really great beer and cocktail scene. If you're into that, we have good access to cultural events and arts events. And then we have awesome sports, of course, in Kansas City with the Chiefs and the Royals and then a soccer team as well, Sporting KC. But it's not so big that you have really crazy cost of living or traffic or some of the things that can be a headache with living in a bigger city. So I never feel like I have to sit in traffic when I'm coming home from work, which is awesome. That if I do get out of work, you know, at, at normal times that I'm not sitting in rush hour traffic for two hours. It's easy to get around. It's easy to get between the sites that we go to, which is really nice for being on call. Um, and it's just an easy city to live in. So that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts either on your program or on the general process of choosing a residency? University of Kansas is a really awesome program. I'm a huge proponent of the program here and feel so lucky to have been able to spend my time training here. We just have incredible staff and an incredible group of residents that have made a really unique and awesome family. As far as advice for prospective residents, I think that finding the program that has that feeling for you is really important. Six years is a long time of your life. 
and you will get a sense during your interviews of a place that you fit. And I think that's the most important thing to find that'll make you happy for your training. Do you have any suggestions on like things to look out for or questions to ask that can help elicit that feeling? I don't know if there are specific questions. I think it's more just spending time with the people and observing the relationships that people have with each other, which I know, unfortunately, for the residents this year was probably a little bit more challenging with the virtual interviews. And I'm not sure what the plan will be for interviews next year, but being able to watch how the residents interact with each other and how the residents and the faculty interact can tell you a lot about the program as well. And how can interested students find out more about your program? Our program Instagram is the best way to find out information about our program, which is KU Plastic Surgery Residency. And we try to keep that pretty up to date with the current happenings in our program. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me today, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.